So let me just pray for us. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for your, your great love for us. And um, I thank you uh, for sending Jesus to save us. And, and I pray, Father, just that, that by your Holy Spirit, you would you give us revelation, you'd open up the eyes of our hearts so that we can see him more clearly and just love him as, as is your desire, Father. You love him so much. And, and I pray that you would share your knowledge of him with us. So I pray as we, as we go in, as we open your word, Father, I pray that you just give us enlightenment, that you would open the eyes of our hearts just to see him more clearly. Uh, Lord Jesus, we love you and, and we just want to worship you this morning. I pray that you'd help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, Father, Amen. Alright, so as, as we've just been hearing in the reading uh, and from the heart preparation things, we're going to be talking today quite a lot about <coughs> sheep. So uh, let's have a picture of one on the screen. There we go. Lovely little fellow, isn't he? Lovely. Uh, and so because we're going to be talking so much about sheep, I think we should probably get to know them just a little bit. Uh, so just so you know, sheep are, shall we say, not the most brilliant of creatures. Uh, they're very, very dependent. Um, and, and actually, uh, when, when people keep them as a flock, they, they need to be led to food, they need to be led to water, uh, and they're also pretty defenceless against predators. Um, also, strangely, if, if a sheep actually, when it's wandering in the, in the wilderness, falls over, it, it, it can't actually get up. And uh, eventually, if, if it continues to be laid over like that, its, it's belly will actually fill with gas, and it'll eventually die. Can you imagine? Just falling over, not being able to get up, and dying because you fell over. <laughs> That's quite a terrible way to go. Uh, but this, this, is, this is sheep, really. And Jesus uh, tells us that sheep need a shepherd. Uh, and so people, someone to look after the sheep, someone to lead them to water, to guide them, to protect them against predators, to pick them up if they fall over. And he says to us, actually, we're like sheep. Not the most flattering thing to say to a person, is it? You are like a sheep, after that lovely uh, description of what sheep are capable of. Uh, but actually, you know, if we think about it, I think, you know, he's got a point, doesn't he? Um, very often, we don't really know the best way to live. Uh, you know, we can see this in our own lives, you know, just individually. Uh, very often, many people, their relationships... Uh, with family, with the people that they love, even the people they love the most. These relationships just break down over time. It's very difficult to keep relationships going. Um, and then, uh, you know, just in our own lives, as we're, as we're seeking sort of purpose in our lives, it's quite hard to find it. Most of us just tend to sort of wander around fairly aimlessly, either creating values that we want to live by or going by the values of our culture and we end up really just meandering through life without much of a sense of purpose. And even if we do find that sense of purpose, that one thing that we want to do, even if we, even if we get these relationships, sooner or later, disease will come in, financial loss will come in, and we'll, we'll lose what we have. And in the end, all of us die. In the end, none of us know how to live in the sense that we were meant to live eternally. And uh, so Jesus, when he says to us, we need help, we need someone to lead us, we need someone who's going to lead us through this life and also into eternal life, which only Jesus can give us. 
And um, sometimes, uh, as Christians, we, we, can, we can tend to follow Jesus because we think we, we should. It's a good idea. We, we, we know that we should do it, uh, but it can, it can become this kind of, uh, you know, we're just following because we, we think that it's a good idea, we know that we should, and it can, it can slowly become like a lifeless, joyless sort of following. And, and my, my real intention for today, and I think what Jesus shows us really clearly in these passages, is that he's, he's going to give us three amazing reasons that we can trust him, that we can love him, and that we can follow his leading in our lives. And then, actually, we'll be able to lovingly follow him, joyfully, with our whole beings, just lovingly follow him. So we're going to look at three of these reasons that we can trust Jesus. And, and we're going to see that because Jesus is our loving God and King, we can trust him and we can lovingly follow him. All right. So now when Jesus said that he was the good shepherd, uh, he was using imagery that actually the people that he was speaking to could really understand and could relate to instantly. So when he says, I'm a shepherd, you're sheep, immediately they have this picture of shepherds and sheep in their mind and it was just really easy for them to understand. But for us, we've got to try and get back and understand a little bit about Middle Eastern shepherding practice. And um, one of the things that we should know is it was very different to shepherding nowadays. Nowadays, there are huge flocks. They tend to be on sort of one big chunk of land. And they tend to have shepherds that drive the sheep, very often with dogs, usually with dogs, I think. And um, so it's just... And at the end of the day, the, the main idea with the sheep is you kill them and you eat them. Yeah? So, I mean, when we think of a shepherd and a sheep, that's not the most loving image, is it? You, you chase me around with a dog and then you kill me and turn me into a, a chop of some kind. <laughs> Just not, not the best image. But for the, in the Middle East, it was a very, very different picture, actually. Um, you, you, the, uh, the shepherds, they would... Um, well, actually, the, the families would have actually quite small flocks of sheep. And mainly the sheep weren't used for mutton or lamb. Mainly they were kept for their dairy products, so for the milk, that kind of thing. And they were also kept for the wool, uh, which obviously they would use to make clothes and blankets and various other things. Uh, and so the family would own this small flock of sheep, and it was so valuable to the family that very often they would have that one of their own family members would actually look after the sheep. And like we said, with all of our charming sheep qualities, they need a shepherd, they need constant looking after. They are the two-year-olds of the animal kingdom. Uh, so they, they need to be looked after. And uh, so this shepherd would literally spend hours and hours and days and weeks and months and years with these sheep. So this relationship would develop between the shepherd and the sheep. And actually, in the Middle East, they don't, they don't drive the sheep. They lead the sheep. So the shepherd will actually just call the sheep. And the sheep will actually just follow him. And he'll lead them to pasture and food and protect them and all of that and pick them up when they fall over and all of that kind of thing. And uh, so during the, during the, uh, the winter months, which is when uh, Israel has its rain, um, there's a lot of food everywhere. And so generally what they tend to do is they tend to get all of their sheep and they uh, keep them in one big enclosure. But a number of families will keep their sheep in one enclosure. So inside one enclosure you'll have a number of different flocks. And then they'll hire a gatekeeper and the gatekeeper will watch the pen so that thieves don't come in or uh, animals don't come and eat the sheep. And uh, then in the morning, when the shepherd comes to take his flock out, then uh, he'll come to the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper recognises him as one of the owners of the sheep, 
and uh, then he'll let him in and the sheep and the shepherd actually walks in and he has a particular call and apparently you can still see this in the Middle East today they have uh, some of them play a little flute uh, but generally it tends to be a call of some kind and they they go in they call the sheep and the sheep will just follow them out so they, they know which sheep are theirs the sheep know the shepherd and as he walks out the sheep just poof, and they follow him out and actually uh, these sheep because they've spent such a long time together tend to be more like pets and so the shepherd will actually know each of his sheep gives them a name of some kind now, I couldn't find any names that they call their sheep perhaps long ears or little black nose or maybe Dave I'm not really sure what kind of name you give to a sheep but uh, but that, that's the situation, you know, they, they come in and just, like when you just have that picture of this, this shepherd and he knows his sheep and his sheep know him and he just calls and out they come, out of this enclosure and he walks ahead of them and he leads them and, and they trust him and he knows them. And I think, you know, as, as we've heard that, it's just, it's so obvious now what Jesus is talking about. So as we read those, the opening passages just again, uh, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from them because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't really understand what he was telling them. So I think the picture is really clear that Jesus is giving us. He's saying that he is the shepherd. He's the leader of his people. And the sheep are his people. And his sheep are the ones who hear his voice and they follow out. That's the picture that's giving us, that Jesus is giving us. I guess we just have to talk just a little bit. Who are the sheep when Jesus says, these are my sheep? Is Jesus just talking about Israel? Is he just talking about the the promised people of God, people of Israel? And I think pretty quickly we can find out that Jesus is not just talking about them. And in a number of places he says, anyone who hears my voice, all people I hear my voice. But actually then down in verse 16, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, the sheep pen being Israel. Uh, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus' people are everybody who hear Jesus' voice. And from all over the world, which means that right now, Jesus is in the world calling and his sheep are following. That means that right now, in this room, Jesus is calling and his sheep will follow him. And this is basically what we're going to see, that we, we, we should follow Jesus and we should follow him lovingly because of who he is and what he's done for us. Um, and this means that if you've never trusted Jesus to be your saviour, then you've got to follow him for the first time. And if, if you do already know Jesus, then this just means a daily life of waking up and your shepherd calls you out and you follow him and he leads you. The next thing, I guess, is why don't we follow Jesus? And really, this is the heart of the message, is why why don't we follow Jesus? You know, we know it's a good idea, uh, but the problem is a lot of the time we actually doubt that Jesus is powerful to really do anything for us. And we doubt that really what he wants for us is the best. We just doubt these things. And so we, we try and follow our obligation 
but really our hearts aren't in it because we don't really believe that he really loves us and that he's really leading us in the best way that's possible for us. And so that's what we want to do today, just give three reasons why we can trust Jesus. And the first one is that Jesus is our God and King, so we should lovingly follow him. He's our God and our King. So who exactly is Jesus claiming to be in this? Is he really claiming to be a Palestinian shepherd of sheep? Yes, and, and a bit more, actually. Because um, the word shepherd here, this had a really long Old Testament history. When, when God said uh, shepherd to his people, they understood that he meant the leader of his people. Um, what Jesus is really saying here is that he is King Messiah. He's saying that he is the King of Israel. And we see in the Old Testament there was a promise to David, who was one of the first kings of Israel. We see a promise and he said, God said to him, I will put one of your descendants on the throne over Israel and he will be king forever. Which is quite a long time and quite difficult for people given that we die. Uh, And he also said that your kingdom will cover the whole earth. Which again was quite difficult for David to imagine, given that he was just in a little sort of back part of the world. Not even able to control that small part of his kingdom. And so we see that God promises this. And another title that God gives to this future king is Shepherd. And we see this in Ezekiel 34. And actually this is in your readings. You've got a little um, handout And uh, on the handout, we've got some daily readings, and I really encourage you to read through those. Uh, And one of them is Ezekiel 34, because it's basically the background to this passage. God is speaking to his leaders, who he calls his shepherds, and he says, you're basically doing a rubbish job. And he promises that he's going to punish his leaders in all kinds of ways. But eventually, he makes this promise where, and if you just look with me in 34.15, he says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. This is God speaking. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And then, down in verse 23 to 24, he says, I will set up over the sheep one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. So can you see it? There's this unresolved tension throughout the history of Israel where God says, I am your shepherd, I am your God, I am your king. And then he says, I'm going to give you a shepherd, I'm going to give you a king. Can you see the tension? And this is basically just unresolved for a thousand years of Israel's history. Really, the only person who could be the king is God. And that's what he's saying. The only person who could be perfectly loving and perfectly good is God himself. And this is what we see in Jesus. God come in the flesh. The Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. And like I said, you know, it's been my prayer that as, we've been, as I've been preparing this for the last couple of weeks, that just we would see Jesus for who he is. That we would see him as almighty God. And so I just want to read with you a, a, few, a few verses. Some of my favourite verses of scripture, actually. And just I've been reading these over and over again this week. This is in Isaiah 40. And in Isaiah 40, God is predicting the coming of Jesus. And look look what he says about him. He says, uh, at the end of verse 9, he says, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, 
and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads them that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a, blank, in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Like, I don't know if you, you can get the power of these verses, but God is saying that Jesus, this man, this man with no job, who came and he was talking to these people, this man is the creator God. And he's the son of God. He was born into the world as a woman and before he was born, he'd been involved in the creation of the world. You know, and, and, you know, if you just think of some of this imagery there, he says that, you know, the, like the oceans, like, I don't know if you know how big the Pacific Ocean is, it's 180 million square kilometers, and it covers a third of the world's surface. And, and God, is, God is saying that Jesus kind of picked it up like water to wash his face. And, and he says, you weighed the mountains in the scales. And it's like, you know, it's just this image of like a child with a bucket, which is putting sand into a bucket. You're talking Everest, eight kilometers high of unimaginable weight. And it's just, just carries it like it's nothing. And this is the man that stood in front of them. This is Jesus. And actually, this is exactly what Jesus is driving at. If you look to, to the end of this, uh, this section, in John 10.30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And so what exactly does Jesus do then? He is almighty God. And what does he do with this incredible power? Why can we trust him? And we can see that he gives us protection and he gives us life. And if you look in verse 7 there, it says, Therefore, Jesus said to them again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is basically offering us security and he's offering us life. And really this image that, that Jesus is talking about here, which says, I'm the gate for the sheep. Uh, in, in Palestine at that time, uh, during the dry season, uh, the shepherds would have to lead their flocks really far. And uh, they would build these enclosures out of rocks. And there's lots of rocks just lying around in Palestine. They would build this big rock enclosure. And uh, at the, I tried to put bushes around the top of it. But at the, at the front, at the entrance, the shepherd would actually lie down in the entrance of, the, of the, this enclosure so that the sheep couldn't get out and nothing else could come in. And so he would literally be this living door. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, I am the door, he's saying that he lies down with his people out in the open, out in the wilderness. He is the one that lies there. This is mighty God lying in the doorway of our lives, protecting us from everything that can damage us. And, and so ultimately, what is God protecting us from? And really, the end answer is death. What kind of death, though? Because basically everybody's going to die. And we're talking about everlasting death. Jesus protects us from that. He gives us life. He gives us eternal life. 
And so what does this mean for us today, really? Well, it means that Jesus is powerful to save us. He's powerful to keep us. And he's powerful to protect us in life. And this means that if, if you're not a Christian, uh, you know, how, how do you hear Jesus' voice today? And the incredible thing is Jesus has given his word to us. Like as we're, as we're reading through his word, this, this, is, this is Jesus' word. You're hearing his call today. Uh, and if you just look in verse 28, it says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so if you're not a Christian today, I just want to encourage you, you must choose Jesus. You must hear his voice and follow him out. And if you are a Christian, then Jesus is powerful and able to protect you from the dangers in this life. And for many of us, this is, this is kind of a painful subject, isn't it? Because very often things happen to us which you know, are very painful. And we, we ask Jesus, you know, well, why didn't you protect me from that? And the truth is that Jesus is, is leading us through this life into eternal life. That's, that's our destination. That, that is our pasture. Uh, that is the place where we'll truly be fed and watered. And we will have enough. That's, that's where Jesus is leading us, leading us to. And, and very often, Jesus will actually lead us through suffering. Because it's when we suffer that actually our eyes are fixed on the future. That we must look to eternity and find our joy there. Because actually we're suffering in the present. And so we've seen that Jesus is basically mighty God. And I just want to look at... I guess one other reason, uh, just before we finish. Um, basically, Jesus is also our loving shepherd. Not only is he mighty and powerful to save us, he also loves us with a tender, personal, individual love. And uh, we, we can see this. If you look there, it says in verse, in verse 2, as we go back up, he says, The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And then he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and follow, and they follow him because they know his voice. So Jesus knows us individually. He knows our hearts. He knows us. He knows our struggles. He knows our fears. He knows our joys, our dreams, our hopes, and everything that we're afraid of. He knows us personally. And can you see the personal dimension to this? This is not like most of the world religions, basically, where God is this impersonal force that you have to approach you know, with fear and, and really it's not personal at all. Can you see how, how close Jesus has come? He says he comes to us. He calls us by name. He draws us out. He has this personal relationship with us. And then he leads us by walking ahead of us. And not only does he know us personally, call us personally, but he, he, he gives us what we need. And uh, so he values us immensely. And this is, this is why we can trust him to give us what we need. Because we're his sheep. We are of incredible value to him. And so he knows what we need. And ultimately, he gives us eternal life. 
And so what does this mean for us? It basically means that Jesus cares for us personally so we can trust him to lead us to good things. And if you're not a Christian, this means that you have to respond to Jesus personally. It's not, it's not enough to be born in a Christian country. It's not enough to have family members that are Christian. It's not enough to have friends that are Christian. It's not enough even to own a Bible and go to church. It's not enough. You, must, you have to respond to Jesus' individual call to you. And I just want to encourage you, you can trust him. He loves you. He is your creator. He knows you. And if you are a Christian, then you are one of God's children. He loves you. You are his own. He values you immensely. And so we can trust him. We can trust him to lead us to good things. And sometimes that will mean that he leads us away from some things. Maybe unhelpful entertainments, maybe relationships that are endangering our marriage, maybe habits that are endangering our relationships. You know, you only have to think of you know, some of the more obvious ones like gambling or pornography or something like that. But, you know, even more ones just overworking where that is actually becoming a danger to our relationships. Jesus, maybe he will lead us away from those kind of things. And maybe he'll, he'll, he will lead us to things. He'll lead us to time with himself. He lead us to this good pasture of time with him, time with his father, of relationships with other Christians, building, encouraging each other. This is what Jesus leads us to. So he leads us away from some things and he leads us to some things. And just, you know, as I was, as I was preparing for today, I was just thinking through, I just lay down on my bed and I just began to think through everything that Jesus has done for me in the last five years. And, you know, some of you have definitely heard this before, I've said it many, many times in my life. I'll just keep saying it to the end of my life. Um, you know, when, when Jesus came to me, I was basically a complete mess. I was uh, taking a lot of drugs. I was cheating on my girlfriend. I was stealing things from time to time. Uh, just a mess. And Jesus came to me one night at a party. And he called me. And I can't go into the details of how he did it, but he just called me. And he said follow me and and so I left all of those things and he led me away from just these obvious things that were just damaging me just obvious things that were damaging me and then he led me to other things to other good things I remember the first day uh, I was a Christian uh, I was I didn't know any other Christians at all <laughs> all of my friends were atheists or spiritualists of some dimension and and I, I just said to God, well, what do you want me to do? I don't know any Christians. So I said, you've got to find me a church. And uh, I went for a job interview that day. And I arrived at the job interview. And um, I had to have a name tag. And my name's Bryn. It's quite an unusual name in England. I've only ever met three other Bryns. And uh, I was sitting there, and one of the guys in front, you know, we had to say something interesting about ourselves. And he turned around and he says, that guy has the same name as my grandfather. So I thought, well, just think. I'll go and talk to him. So I went and talked to him, we talked, he says, oh, I'm a Christian, do you want to come to church? I was like, yes, that sounds great. And then when, when, I, when I moved up to Leeds to find a job, uh, I, uh, I arrived at the place and I've been trying to find a job and uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, they said to me, what's your name? I said, Bryn Williams. Oh, they said, no, I'm sorry, you have to, have to choose another 
give us your second name because we already have a Bryn Williams working here. So what's well, Bryn David Williams? And they said, oh, do you have a third name? Because <laughs> there was a Bryn David Williams working at the place that I was working at. And it was just, just this incredible grace of Jesus saying to me, that I have led you away from those things and I'm leading you to good things you can trust me. And ultimately, like in this passage, we see that Jesus gives us one more amazing reason that we can trust him. If you look with me just in verse 10, Jesus basically gives his life to make us his sheep. And so we should lovingly follow him. Uh, if you look in verse 10, it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd leads his sorry, lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus is talking about the cross. When you see that word for, when he says he lays down his life for the sheep, it's only used 13 other times in John, and 12 of them is talking about the crucifixion. And you see where in, in verse 9 earlier where we've read, it says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. And actually it's so interesting because this same word saved Jesus is talking later about the fact that he's going to go to the cross and die to take away the sin of the world. He says, what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? And then he goes on to say, no. For this purpose I have come into the world. And verse 32, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. So can you see? Jesus wasn't saved from the the horror of crucifixion. He willingly went to that death so that we could be saved. And actually Jesus is the only one who truly lovingly followed his father. He followed his father's voice. Just look with me in uh, verse 17. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus followed his Father's command. He's the only one who's ever truly followed his Father's command. And he lovingly followed his Father's command so that we could be accepted as God's children. And so all we need to do is just believe and trust him and then we get to lovingly follow him we don't have to follow him to be saved we do, we get to it's our privilege and so just in closing I just want to invite the worship guys back up um, I just I really hope that I've been able to you know communicate something to you and God's been able to sort of shine some light into your hearts just of these two incredible truths that Jesus is Almighty God, powerful to save us, mighty. And he's so tender and gentle with us. And it cost him his life. That's why Jesus can be so tender with us. That's why he can call us by name and lead us. It's because he died for us, because he gave up his life so that we could live with him. So I just want to invite you just, uh, you know, as as we're going into these weeks, um, just to come afresh to Jesus and if, if you've never given your life to God if you've never asked God to save you if you've never 
chosen to follow Jesus. I just want to invite you, while we're praying, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. And if you are a Christian, you know, and you've been following Jesus and you've known the goodness of his following, of, of following him, I just want to invite you just during worship, just remember a few of the things and just love him, thank him for his good shepherding, thank him for giving his life for us on the cross. And if, you, if you're a Christian who maybe you've, you've kind of stopped following Jesus, actually it's been really hard recently and you've, you've, you've just decided, I can't, I can't do this, I can't follow him anymore, I just want to invite you just to ask God to, to open your heart, just to see him, just to see how much he loves you, just how valuable you are to him. So we're going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Lord Jesus, I praise you for what you've done for us. I thank you that you, you've, uh, you died for us so that you could lead us. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here who's never answered your call before, I pray that you would call them now. So I just want to invite you guys, if there's anyone here who's never decided to follow Jesus, Now's your chance, right? You can just raise up your hand and I'll pray for you. And if you do know Jesus and, and you want to follow him, but you've, you've found that actually you just, you just stopped recently, I just want to invite you today just to, just to see him Why don't you just give some indication just for yourself. You can raise your hand. You can just in your heart quietly say to him, Lord, I want to follow you again. I trust you. So Father, I pray for us today. I pray that you'd help us to follow Jesus. I pray that you'd just give us a vision of his love for us. And I thank you, Lord, for everything that you do for us. I thank you for your goodness in leading us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, Father. Amen.